This is episode 49 of Ethics and Culture Cast from the DeNicola Center for Ethics and Culture. Welcome to episode 49 of Ethics and Culture Cast from Notre Dame's DeNicola Center for Ethics and Culture. I'm Ken Hellenius, the communications specialist at the center. In this episode, we chat with Dan Philpot, a DCEC faculty fellow and professor in the political science department, and Jessica Keating, program director of the Notre Dame Office of Life and Human Dignity at the McGrath Institute for Church Life. They are the co-teachers of a class in the theology department entitled, Why the Church?, which invites students to engage with the substantive questions that many consider to be stumbling blocks to remaining engaged with the Catholic faith. Let's sit down at a responsible social distance for this delightful conversation. Thank you so much for coming to be with us and tell us a little bit about this exciting course that you guys are working on. How long have you been here? What What is your main area, Dan? Yeah, I'm a political scientist, and so um, I work largely in the field of religion and politics. So I've been interested in these kinds of questions for a long time. Sure. But I very much came here uh, to Notre Dame in 2001 out of an attraction for the Catholic University. And I try as much as I can to teach courses that stand at the intersection of the Catholic tradition and politics. Sure. And so I also had just a much more uh, broader interest in uh, bringing the faith to students and trying to um, help them to, you know, work through a lot of the questions that they have. Notre Dame is typical of the millennial generation. They had the same kinds of questions. A lot of the same trends are present among Notre Dame students. And so it's out of this kind of larger vocation of trying to bring the faith to, to students that I was inspired to uh, take up the cudgel. Sure. Jess, what's your background? So I am the director of the Office of Life and Human Dignity in the McGrath Institute for Church Life, um, and I'm also working on a Ph.D. in the systematic theology. Okay. Um, and got a phone call from Dan uh, at the end of last semester and a couple of folks in the theology department asking if I'd be you know, willing to step in um, as after Peter uh, went to Duke. And, yeah, really jumped at the chance to be able to, to help students understand what the faith teaches and why uh, more clearly um, and to offer sort of that witness of of faith to them. I think a lot of our theology courses here at Notre Dame do have an apologetic edge to them. Um, our, our faculty in theology are committed to different religious traditions but are committed to practicing faith um, and to really do that in in a way in this course that's very upfront about that apologetic aim. Right. Um, w- whether it's for students who are totally skeptical or sort of have questions or students who are, you know, all in and want to be able to explain our beliefs better to people. So we sort of designed the course to be able to reach that that sort of scaffolded group of of students from all, all across the spectrum. Sure. Well, the course began uh, with a, a blog post that uh, Bishop Robert Barron uh, wrote back in 2016, where he noticed a report from the Pew Research Center showing that there are these inc- terrible trends of um, millennials and young people leaving the Catholic Church. 
the statistics are showing that this is happening in large numbers. And the report also reported some of the reasons why they're leaving the church that they're reporting. And he um, lamented this because he said, the Catholic tradition has answers to these reasons. We've been talking about this for centuries, right. and they're there. And he said, the problem is we're not communicating it. And he issued a creed de cur for uh, catechists, apologists, and evangelists. That, that's what we need. So I read this, and I thought, that's a neat idea for a course here at Notre Dame. Yeah. So uh, I teamed up with um, Professor Peter Casarella in theology, who was uh, here at the time, and we uh, sat down and started uh, drafting up uh, ideas, and that became Why the Church. Awesome, awesome. You mentioned this spectrum of students, both those who want to defend what they, what they do believe, but then, of course, those who are maybe on their way out. Is there, are there more of one than the other? When I'm telling somebody about this course, they often ask, who's the target audience? Sure. Is this for the already convinced or is this for the not convinced? And how does that uh, play here at Notre Dame? Well, the answer is both and more. Um, it's really for a whole spectrum of students that it could be for a student who's already of a strongly committed faith. This could be a, a course that could help them to know how to deepen it and how to defend it and bring it into conversation. But it's also at the same time for the student who is questioning and not sure, maybe skeptical, or the student who is somewhere in between. And of course, not every student at Notre Dame is a Catholic either. Right. And so it may be for them the learning about the Catholic tradition. So I think the course can work at, at all of those levels. And I really wish I had had a course like this in college myself because I had a lot of these same questions. I am technically a millennial um, and had a lot of these same questions and objections to the church. Um, and really, it unfolded over many years receiving those answers. But to have had a course where they were explicitly addressed, um, I think could have you know, maybe sped up the process a little bit um, rather than sort of wandering for for a long period of time. So I think that in in that way, students sort of jump at the chance to actually do a close examination of the very reasons that they are thinking about potentially leaving or the objections that they have or the questions that they're struggling with. John Cavadini has this uh, saying that people leave the church without regret because they don't actually know the treasures and the and the richness that they're leaving because they haven't received the fullness of the church's uh, tradition. And so often they leave with, with a false uh, notion of what the church teaches. And so this course can help clear that away, that actually, no, the church doesn't teach that there's a conflict between science and religion. Right. Um, and so to give students sort of uh, a glimpse into sort of the richness of the tradition of the church so, they, so that they don't, at least don't leave without regretting something about leaving. They can't know? say they didn't know. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's a wonderful kind of breaking off point then. What are the things you talk about? Because I know that there are kind of different modules in this. So how, how is the course structured? So we organize the course around the things that uh, the, this generation is telling us are uh, alienating them. Now, we start the course first by just looking at some demographic data on millennials, showing that they are leaving the church and showing the re- some of the reasons why, profiling their views. Then we have a brief uh, bridge on what is apologetics, what is the church. But then we really get into the meat of the course, which is to look at these um, these questions. So we have one on science and God, where we look at the rationality of God and evolution and the challenge of the new atheist. Then we have one on sex and marriage. 
Then we have one on history, looking at the idea that the churches, you know, has been sort of the bad guy in history, the Galileo, the Inquisition, and and that the church is always sort of playing catch up to the secular world, which is kind of pioneered progress. Then we look at politics. I think um, a lot of students think that the church is just straightforwardly conservative. We try to show that it's a deeper source uh, than that, that it cuts across political boundaries. Then we have a pivot towards a more positive apologetics, whereas we look at the arguments from beauty, we look at the saints and what they tell us, then we close with um, the arguments for the resurrection. So kind of a good place to end. What's important to keep in mind is that throughout the course, we engage what we call the disputatio method, which is that we begin with a skepticism. Why are people skeptical of uh, the church's teachings in this generation. And then we seek to look at what does the church have to say about that issue? How does the church address that? What is the church's answer? Now, we don't pre- pretend to neutrality. We don't just have a kind of, <laughs> we're just going to give all views. Yeah. But we do want to uh, bring about a genuine debate and a genuine space for the students to ask their toughest, most difficult, most challenging questions. But ultimately, it's to see what the church has to say. So I looked over your, the syllabus, and, and I noticed a number of readings, and I also noticed that it's not just you two who are teaching. Here we are at a university, so it seems that you should draw upon all of the resources of the university and some people beyond our, our borders as well. So uh, who are some of the people that you bring in to talk about these things? Yeah, so we have some great guest speakers. Um, we were able to bring in uh, Professor Brad Gregory to speak uh, on the question of new atheism and the supposed conflict between science and religion. Um, Helen Alvarez just zoomed in today uh, to give a lecture on um, Catholic feminism and offered such a compelling witness that both you know acknowledges some of the shortcomings uh, in the church in practicing what it has already um, worked out theologically, um, but to offer a vision of true feminism, what it means to be truly a liberated and empowered woman. Um, And she's so compelling because she is so successful and has a family and is brilliant um, and is really able to articulate for the students uh, what that vision of of a full and free um, womanhood can look like. Um, we had Raquel Story speak on um, Eden Invitation, which is a new, new-ish new ministry in the church for uh, same-sex attracted um, Catholics. Um, who else, Dan? I think Christian Smith is worth uh, mm-hmm. mentioning. Oh, yeah. now, he's one of the world's—he's a sociologist here at Notre Dame, but one of the world's leading experts on the religious attitudes of young people and of Catholics in particular. So he's known for coining the— great term, moralistic, therapeutic deism. Right. And if you can kind of wrap your tongue and your, your mind around that, uh, it is a, um, it's a term that has gained very large uh, traction and is a term that is used to kind of understand the attitudes of uh, millennials, often voiced by church leaders and people in the public debates. So he was here to help us uh, sort through some of the data and the trends, and it was a perfect person to do it. Sure. 
We also had Chris Baglow speak. He runs uh, the Science and Religion Initiative in the McGrath Institute um, and able to speak to the beauty and order of God in creation as well as the paradox and mystery of God. And we're so fortunate at Notre Dame to have the planetarium. Our students make a trip to the planetarium to see the presentation All Creation Gives Praise, um, which is like you start on Earth and you zoom out to the whole cosmos. It's a combination of science and scripture uh, as it's narrated. Uh, And I think they find that both maybe a little bit overwhelming to see how like vast the universe is, um, but also how special and unique we are in that we are objects of God's love um, and tenderness in this vast, uh, infinite universe. So uh, that's really neat to be able to do that and only possible really at a a university, a Catholic university um, like Notre Dame. Yeah. I'm reminded (laughs) – I want to go back to this idea. Dan, you're not a trained theologian. No, I'm not. I'm just interested. <laughs> yeah, but a believer. I mean, yes. so maybe this is kind of your entry point and your passion for this comes from your own background. I'm yes, I right. came to the church myself as an adult in uh, yeah. Easter 1998. And perhaps it's just my temperament or my mind's mindset, but I had spent about six years investigating the church, and sure. maybe it's that I'm an academic and I like to argue, and I had to sort of squeeze out every uh, uh, ounce of, uh, of objection. Sure. And uh, so to me, the, the arguments are, are important, and the, the reasons that we give, you know, uh, Peter talks about giving a reason for the hope that is within you. Mm-hmm. And um, some people will say that, you know, arguments are really not for the millennial generation. They're just about experience and story and so forth. And we, we do have a lot of that in the course, but I still think that arguments are important and the disputatio is important. And uh, and so it's something that I've been reading and thinking about for a long time. I guess I'm not a trained theologian, I'm not kind of a, the, a theologian wannabe. And uh, <laughs> I do read in theology and read um, my, my work intersects in, in theology between politics and theology. And so just been very, uh, the, these are the kind of books that I pick up in my spare time. And right, that's right. kind of a good indicator of what you're really interested in. <laughs> Yeah. But when I can reach for a book and when I have time to read something I want, it's it's in theology. Sure. Jess, what has been to you now looking at the syllabus, what are some of the readings that are most intriguing to the students? What are some of the readings perhaps that are most intriguing to you? That's a great question. So I think the students um, in what we've taught so far have found um, – the science and religion um, section quite compelling. Um, the marriage section, I think, quite challenging. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, they, from what I can gather, enjoyed reading the new atheists and the responses to the new atheists. Um, and most of them seem to really um, be on board with saying, of course, there are different ways of knowing, that science doesn't exhaust our ways of knowing, and seem to really be um, open to that idea and to the religious perspective um, in in sort of the supposed conflict between science and religion. So I would say that that those readings of of Dennett, of um, Professor Gregory, um, were all really well-received and intrigued the students quite a bit. Sure. Now, are there things that um, were part of your vision for the course before you started teaching that have changed in response to what you're hearing in the classroom? Well, there were certainly we put um, certain readings on that we then had to um, kind of um, 
you know, uh, in, in response to the course evaluations I've decided to take out. And sure. I think sometimes we had assigned readings that were perhaps too academic or that might have been intriguing to us as kind of academically oriented theologians. And I definitely we've tried to keep a very strong um, intellectual content. And but we want it to be arguments and pieces that really can be accessible to the student who has never thought about these things before. Yeah. And I think that's very important. And so they're. Um, you know, I think they have they have a lot of theological depth and intellectual depth, but they're also written in a way that um, you know can uh, appeal directly to students and what they're thinking and where they are. And we try to get some nice uh, debates and disputes going among sure. the readings as well. I noticed that you had some Thomas Aquinas in there, and I'll tell you, as somebody who read Thomas, you know, the tiniest bit in college, and then in my master's course. He was entirely incomprehensible to me for the <laughs> longest time. But when you mentioned using the disputatio method, you know, putting the best objections first and then say, okay, well, here's the objections. Here's what we really teach. Now let's respond to the objections. Yeah. I mean, that model, even the model of thinking as the church has thought about these things, I think is is an important introduction for students. Yeah, and I think that that has been a really... Um, neat part of the course. The students actually write disputatio papers oh, wow. as one of their central assignment. Um, they have to choose a contested topic and write it in the disputatio method. Um, so the overall structure of the course and then the assignments um, complement each other really, right. really well. And I think you know, what the Disputatio Method does is it teaches you how to argue charitably um, and to actually take the objections of uh, the side you disagree with seriously um, and to put those best objections forward um, and to actually listen to them. And so in having students actually practice writing in that method, we are, I think one of the hopes of the course is that they are able to learn to engage with um, opinions or views that they may not agree with in in robustly intellectual ways and also in charitable ways. Yeah, yeah. We actually have the papers modeled upon Thomas Aquinas's way of um, construing a question. Mm -hmm. So we have they have to decide what the question is, and they can choose the topic, whether it's um, uh, you know racism or the environment or proofs for God or sexuality and marriage. We get everything. And so they set the question and then they have the they start off with the objections and then their view and then the replies that correspond to the objections. And so they have to structure the paper in that way. What are some things perhaps that are emerging issues for millennials maybe that would need to be added to the course going forward? Well, I think the, um, you know, the area of sexuality and marriage is always fast moving. What was an issue yesterday is kind of somewhat forgotten, maybe still controversial, but now there are new frontiers. So now, for instance, like the transgender um, issue is very much, uh, you know, being hotly disputed. And we're very much uh, committed in the course to discussing head on and to confronting head on and talking about the things that are most on the student's mind. And so we were sure to include that. And we found some recent material, uh, recent discussions of it to uh, present it. And um, the, the the sex abuse crisis in the church also has been a huge source of uh, alienation and something that's causing people to leave and to exit. And so there again, we um, thought that's something we have to uh, have to address. Yeah. And even this year, um, in light of everything that, you know, unfolded this summer um, with police brutality and and um, 
and the murders of African Americans, um, we felt like we needed to find a way to incorporate that into the course, especially in the history and politics section. So we're actually using the CEC's panel um, that you all did earlier this summer on um, racism as a pro-life issue. Mm -hmm. Um, So really drawing in that contemporary... um, concern that's in in the press and in the culture and warrants discussion into the wider framework of the course. Wow. It's not all gloomy, though. There's also beauty and the saints and the resurrection, and we very much want to communicate the beauty and the joy and the yeah. attractiveness. Okay. So you made reference to this earlier. Jess, you even said it. You know, you wish you had this course when you were in college. I'm well out of college. I want to take this course. What are some things perhaps that an interested person could read that would begin to scratch a bit of this? Or, or what are some resources that are available to people who, who can't come sit in a class at Notre Dame? I think starting with some of Robert Barron's videos is never a bad place to start. Um, he offers these short, you know, eight-minute clips uh, addressing some of these very questions. So I think that that's, that's one place. I also think that there are a number of good resources out there, um, especially on sexuality and marriage. Um, Bill Madison's written um, a great deal on that. Eden Invitation is a new and emerging ministry to, to look at um, the church's outreach to people of same-sex attraction. So those would be like my – on marriage, maybe that's because we just finished <laughs> our marriage unit that yeah. I'm thinking of, um, of, of places to sort of start um, if there's an interest there. I don't know what you'd recommend, Dan. Yeah, I mean the new atheists are I think still much on people's minds and – uh, polls show that some 70% of millennial Catholics think that there's a basic tension between faith and science. And so somebody could pick up those readings, and really that could be a great entree as well. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I got to say, this is a wonderful course. The last question that I have is, how has how has the center helped uh, in the this process or kind of helped nourish the, the work of, of the class? Well, the center has been instrumental in providing um, financial support for the TAs um, that are an essential part of the course. So we have two lecture days, and then there's a, there's a discussion section every week. And we need multiple TAs to be able to run those discussion sections well so that they're small enough that so that students can actually engage in conversation with one another. And that requires more uh, support than, than is available through for a typical course of this size. And the center has generously sort of provided the extra funds that we need to have the additional TAs that really make the course what it is and allow us to have those small group discussion sections for students. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for bringing this course to the students. And uh, I can only see this sort of important work expanding uh, and being available to to, uh, even more students and who knows beyond beyond the walls, too. Well, we're delighted to have the center really as um – as a partner and not just as a sort of source of uh, funding or what have you, that, that has been critical for us to have those small sections. But from the from the beginning, I shared the idea with uh, Director Carter Sneed, and he instantly saw that as something he wanted to enter into a partnership with and help help get behind. And he himself uh, also lectures, does oh, yes. is one of our guest lecturers. So he'll talk about uh, life issues and bioethics and the conception of the person behind these issues and um, in a way that uh, 
you know, went over really well uh, when he did that before. And so it's really is a, is a growing partnership that awesome. we're grateful for. Well, wonderful. Well, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you to Jess and Dan. You'll find links to several of the videos and readings that they mentioned in the show notes. Subscribe to Ethics and Culture Cast so that you can always get the latest episodes by visiting ethicscenter.nd.edu slash podcast. We would love your feedback. Please review the show on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts, and email your suggestions to cecpodcast at nd.edu. Our theme music is I Don't Know by Grapes, licensed under the Creative Commons Attribution License. We'll see you next time on Ethics and Culture Cast. Until then, make good decisions. Thank you.